Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Self Love Club, a place where boss babes share their stories to empower women. Welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. I'm Val Crawford and you can find out more about why I've launched this club at valcrawford.com. I'd love for you to join it and trust me, it's not like a cult or pyramid scheme. It's literally just a club where you can come hang out. It's going to be a fun time. Join me for a podcast series where we'll hear the stories of girl boss women who are doing super cool things with their lives. We'll find out how they've done what they have, their self-love and self-care practices, and they'll share their tips to empower you to live your best life. Donnie Brooks started a side hustle while she was working as a hairdresser. Designer wardrobe quickly gained momentum and Donnie made the brave call to leave her job and pursue it full time. The online designer fashion marketplace now has over 150,000 members. While building her business as a startup, Donielle battled thyroid cancer and her recovery story is raw and super inspiring. We are so lucky to have Donielle share her story, her self-care practices and girl boss advice on the Self Love Club podcast. Donielle, welcome to the Self Love Club. Thank you so much for coming in and hanging out with us. Thank you for having me. Woohoo! You are such a boss. So for those who may not know what you do and what you're all about, tell us about yourself. Well, I'm the founder of Designer Wardrobe, which is an online marketplace for women to buy, sell and rent designer clothing. And I started it um, five years ago now. Um, and we have uh, 150,000 members on the website and our first rental store that's just wow. opened this year. So, and yeah. you were sort of one of the, I think you were the first in New Zealand to jump on sort of this sort of thing now. We see a lot of different companies doing similar, but you're from memory. I remember on Facebook, you were the original in New Zealand, right? Yeah, um, I kind of, I hadn't even seen this idea overseas um, and I just always had it in the back of my mind that I wish women could have a tool like this just to kind of like extend their um, shopping so they could be smarter with the way that they shopped. Um, And I just eventually thought I just have to start it myself. So before I created it, I didn't see anything like it. There was things like this overseas, but not as in a one whole thing where they buy, sell and rent. It was just either a marketplace for designer clothing or rental for designer clothing. So it's quite different having them all in one. But yeah, we I started that and um, it's been, it's kind of taken off now. So yeah, yeah it's a bit well, more common now. Well done. No, you're a trendsetter. So like, how did you come up with the idea? Like how, how did you pick up on this? Um, well, I just have always loved to buy clothing secondhand and, um, but also I love um, designer clothing and so there's always like a big price um, when you're kind of buying like a new top and or a jacket and it's like a lot more than my pay packet could kind of afford and so I loved having the balance of, um, you know, selling my old clothing to buy something new and then renting out my dresses that I didn't want to kind of part with but wanted to earn um, some money from to to rebuy, you know, new pieces. So I always 
did that but in a different way like it wasn't it was the way that I always shopped but it wasn't my marketplace that I created yet it was just the way that I worked it's um, so organic which I love I think that's there's just an idea that you came up with like it was a way of not even you just started doing it it was the way you were living really wasn't yeah, it like a yeah. little hustle on the side yeah just like my passion and I yeah I also loved like looking online for um like a dress that kind of had sold out and I couldn't see anywhere and it was really popular and I'd like look through eBay or trade me and just kind of whenever I was looking through that I'd always just think like damn I wish there was just something that had like just designer clothing on or like pieces that aren't designer but you know like more like nicer clothing or like Mm. pieces that are in trend yeah um so yeah I just always ponder and think when is someone going to do it and then yeah, I just did it. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. And so you were working, you were a hairdresser. You were working, that was your main job until you took this full time. Yeah, I left school um, halfway through seventh form. I originally wanted to go to Elam Art School and you had to finish seventh form to do it. But I was just kind of itching and ready to leave. So my mum suggested that I should do something creative in a different form instead of, you know, art at Elam. And so I thought hairdressing is quite close to that because it's like, you know, you're painting and colouring someone's hair and it's sort of science behind it. And um, so I ended up actually doing that for nine years. So I loved it. And I was in the same company the whole time at Stephen Ma. um, And that's where I was exposed to lots of designers and, um, you know, kind of got to know the fashion industry because they're kind of in the heart of it. So... Yeah, it wasn't until Design Wardrobe really took off that I was like, I should probably leave hairdressing and try to pursue this and turn it into a real business. Was that a scary jump to make, like leaving your hairdressing and then making it like, because so you were hairdressing and and then started Design Wardrobe on the side, right? Yeah, so I started it on the side and I'd kind of just work on it like on my lunch break or after work and just kind of always monitored it. Um, while hairdressing and then I actually did leave that that hair salon that I was at um, because I was like I feel like I need to change and so I finally made the move after nine years to go to a different salon Hamilton Brooks and I was there for maybe only six months and so when I realized that I had to leave for design wardrobe I was kind of like oh um <laughs> this is actually a really big move but I just it was like it got to the point where I just had to like I couldn't just be a passion project anymore. yeah it was was that scary because like I could imagine myself having a side hustle leaving like something that you'd done for a really long time it was yeah. like you know you're it was a you know like a, a good income that you were getting like like regularly yeah. and then I guess because designer wardrobe was becoming so big that you probably couldn't do everything on your lunch breaks and after yeah. work. It becomes too much work for one person if you want to if you want to lead it in a certain way and do the things you want to do, right? Yeah, it was scary, um, especially because when I left to do it, it was still free to use. So it wasn't kind of like a really robust, success, um, strong website. It was a little hack job that me and my partner at the time put together because we were kind of like, let's see if, people would actually move from the Facebook page where it started onto the website. Um, and so it was all all free to use while we were kind of figuring it out. And so when we left, it was both of us quit our job and we were, uh, um, we were together for seven years. So 
you know, we couldn't have someone that was going to support each other because we were both leaving our full-time income yeah, and we were flatting as well. So we were like, how are we going to do That's this? That's a really big leap of faith because, like, how did you – obviously at the beginning you were still working it all out, but how did you think you were going to make income from it at that point? Yeah, well, luckily because of hairdressing – <laughs> I was able Such to Such a do. good trade. Yeah, it's so good. And I just knew like if, you know, there was always open arms at other salons that I could go back to if it failed, um, but also I could do it on the side. So I worked out that if I worked one day a week on a Thursday, um, then I could work from 8.30 in the morning until 8 at night and bring in a certain amount of money that was close to my wage that I was getting. Um, and with that, I could pay the rent and, you know, buy food and for my partner and I and um, and that type of thing because he had put Aidan, who um, is actually my business partner still and been on this business journey with me but not my partner anymore, um, he, yeah, he had put lots of his savings into it and that type of thing. So it was kind of like... Yeah, we, that's just what we needed to do to get by for that next step. That is so cool. And I think it's so great that hairdressing was so helpful in that way that you were able to still earn an income. It was so great that you had done that in the first place. I you know. know. Yeah. It's so helpful and I still think about it to this day. I'm still like, if this still doesn't work out, I can still go back to hairdressing. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I guess, um, cause you hairdressers, like I've got a lot of friends that are, and you work so hard. So like oh, those long, do. those long days, I mean, at least you knew you could do that. It's a really long day. I know it teaches back you to a back lot. clients too. Yeah. Like no breaks basically. I know it. Yeah. It's super, um, it does teach you so much. So and you're on your feet, like it's quite physical and tiring, right? Yeah, definitely. And yeah. you you do like me and my friends that are hairdressers, we always say like you even if you're like super tired, you learn how to kind of put on like a smile and put that client before yeah. yourself. And it's kind of like, yeah, you learn a lot doing it. So, yeah. Yeah. So at some point when you did get sick, so was this before is this when you had left your hairdressing job? And you were starting to work on designer wardrobe full time? Um, so, no, I actually, at 25, I think, I don't know how long I'd been hairdressing for, but um, yeah, I was 25 and then I found out that I had thyroid cancer and designer wardrobe hadn't started then. Um, but that is what pushed me to actually get going and create the Facebook page um, and I was literally just sitting because, you know, as I said, I had that idea in the back of my mind and I was just sitting at home and everyone was at work and I was like, oh, my gosh, like I don't know how long I'm going to be sick or um, what what's the next step. And I just had no savings and so I was like, I have to do something fast. And I was kind of just like lying in my bed looking around my room like, what can I sell? And then I was like, I need to sell my whole wardrobe <laughs> because Aww. I need my car. Um and so that's when I was like just reading, putting it on other marketplaces and decided to just take the plunge and kind of create um, Design and Wardrobe as a Facebook group. And originally I just sort of invited my friends, but then it just kept growing within like days. And so that's when I reached out to lots of people in the fashion industry and hairdressing industry that I'd met and um, asked them to join. And yeah, just before I knew it, there was like a good little community going on there so that's how it all started it's so cool and I guess like good on you for I mean I guess when you were that sick it was just you were trying to you know you were like oh, how do I survive like in yeah. terms of money as well you know like I you know need to, you need to have money like yeah totally because like luckily I had health insurance I just signed up to that 
but um, I didn't have income insurance. So obviously all the bills that come out weekly, I was like, I can't just not pay those. So mm, it's, And it's yeah. not like you need that stress on top of already being so sick. Nah, it's the last thing you need. Yeah. And lots of people do have that, which is really sad. But Ta- Talk yeah. us through like your, your experience with thyroid cancer, because that's like, a horrible thing for anyone to experience, but when you were only 25 as well. I know, it was, it's really kind of the last thing that I thought that would happen at 25. Um, ever since I have gone through it, I have realised how, you know, young people aren't, um, you know, they're not the lucky ones that aren't going to get it. But when you are that age or even younger, you just think you're not prone to those type of things. Talk us through when you found out, like what was, were you unwell? Like how did it get picked up? Um, I had just broken my elbow over Christmas and um, so I was away with all of my best friends for New Year's and my other friend had also broken her elbow and it was interesting for me to see the difference between like how my friend Tracy was over New Year's, she was like managing to keep up with everyone and still partying and having fun as a normal 25-year-old would. But I was like, you know, I had to go to bed at like 11.30 on New Year's night and like just funny things like that that kept popping up for me. And then like after New Year's, like everyone was keen to like kind of keep going and the boys wanted to play golf. And I was just like, I just want to go back to Auckland and go home. And like my friends were like, why? Like that type of thing. And then um while I was off with the broken elbow, my um, really good friend that I was away with over New Year's as well, Claire, um, she's a health insurance, um, like she signs people up mm-hmm. for health insurance. And so I was over at her house because she had her mole removed off her nose and we were and it was fine and we were just chatting about everything. And then she was like, you need to get your moles checked because you're always at the beach. I was like, well, I'm so bored. Like <laughs> I might as well, like I've been off work for so long. And so I was like, how much is it though? And she was like, well, let me sign you up to health insurance. And then, you know, it'll um, be covered. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, health insurance. And she kind of just talked me through it. And like, it's the last thing that I also thought of as a 25 year old, but thank goodness, like my good friend Claire was in that industry and just kind of like explained it all to me. And I, like quickly realized that how important it was. Mm. And so, yeah, I just impulsively signed myself up because I'm quite yeah. impulsive. And then um, well, it's probably a good thing to sign up for though, really, <laughs> isn't know. it? Like there's worse things you could spend your money on. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. It was such a blessing. Mm. But yeah, so then I signed up and then went off to get my moles checked. And then when I was the lady who was checking, she um, actually found a lump in my um, neck while she was looking at my moles around there. Like she just felt it and was like, oh, if I was you, I'd go request an ultrasound on your thyroid at your doctor's. And I was kind of like, what's a thyroid? Like, Yeah, because, you know, you only hear, <laughs> hear about that as you get a bit older and people have thyroid imbalances and things, know, you know. I like, had not heard of it. So, yeah, yeah. then I literally just drove straight to the doctor's because I was like, that's you a weird thing. Were you to, a bit worried? I wasn't really that worried. Like, I was just like, when someone from the health industry tells you to do something, because I was like, okay, I'll go do it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I just... I went along and like talked to my doctor and booked in for a ultrasound and went home and told my family and they were the same where they were kind of like, well, I don't think you need to get that checked. Like you're so young, like your thyroid will be fine. Mm. Um, but because of health insurance, I went along and got it done and that's when they told me, yes, there's a lump in there and like we'll, we'll get you to um, get a biopsy to make sure that it's, you know, 
benign and I was like what do you mean and they were like well just to make sure it's not cancerous and I was like what but as soon as they said that I was like it's definitely cancer like I went home and just had a complete breakdown because of the way I was feeling like it just it just all made sense it was like a light bulb in my head but like obviously my family was like oh it wouldn't be cancer and they were just trying to talk me you know calm me down and be there for me Mm. um and yeah, that's a few, I can't remember how long, but got my results and it was. So. What, what was it like? I mean, obviously you sort of, within you, your intuition, you'd worked out that you had it. Yeah. I mean, talk us through that first of all. Like, what was that like for you? Was Like, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? Well, that was like a big moment for me to realise that you should listen to your gut a lot because you can overreact and overthink and like feel like you need to talk yourself you know, into having a positive thought, but also like you do need to follow your gut. And if by listening to like my friend Claire and like the person while getting my moles checked and, and this, that's, you know, I found out that I was sick. And if I didn't do that, like my surgeon said within months, it could have been like a really different story where it was going to be a lot harder to kind of get through it. Luckily I caught it in a good amount of time where, um, you know, it wasn't like a, it was a spreading type of cancer, like spotting. So it could have spotted into my lungs or something like that or my lymph nodes. So and did you manage to catch it fairly early? Yeah. So luckily I was able to catch it where it's like contained in my thyroid and like in a couple of lymph nodes. But um, yeah, so the treatment and like getting through it was like a lot easier than how it could have been if it was left. So mm. I don't know, I guess when I found out, like I just learned that I had to kind of listen to my gut a bit more. Mm. Um, but yeah. So you'd already sort of worked out that you, you know, you knew that you had it. Yeah. So what was it like when you were in the doctor's office and they told you that you had thyroid cancer? What was that moment like? Do you remember it? Yes. That weirdly, I actually didn't get told in the doctor's office. So when I went through and started getting the biopsy and stuff, you get recommended to a specialist. So I'd seen him and he was like, look, it's so unlikely that it's cancer. And so we like my family had kind of had that in their mind. Um, but then he actually got the results and called my dad and I was at home with the broken elbow and like panicking, like, Oh, you know, is it going to be cancer? And, um, I heard the phone. So I was very like aware. And I remember I was downstairs and I heard the phone ring and my dad kind of having like a voice that wasn't his normal voice. Like Mm. it sounded really unsettling and we had really bad service and he was kind of like breaking out of service and, I was just like, I just literally broke down like in tears and just ran upstairs and I was just crying and and sitting on the couch and watching dad on the phone trying to like understand what's happening. And then um, that's when dad came in and was just like upset with me. And yes, and that's kind of, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't nice at all. It was like the yuckiest feeling that I can ever remember. But yeah. when were you scared? Yeah, I was so scared because I didn't know, like it, it wasn't the kind of thing where he told me and then he was like, but you're going to be okay. Like it was um, like my mind was just racing. I was like, what's going to, what's happening next? Like I didn't know what my treatment would be like. I didn't know like if I was, a, a, you know, what the situation was and obviously you just think the worst. And so, yeah, it was really scary. And then the surgeon um, and my specialist had to go on surgery. And so that's when he was like, kind of said to my dad, like, you know, we'll figure this out and we'll talk it through. And 
and that type of thing. And that's when I went in, I can't, I can't even remember now, like if I went in and he spoke through what we'd be doing. and It and would have been a bit of, of a blur at that time, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. But... So, yeah. they, so they made a plan with you and, and what was your treatment like? What did you, what happened? So when I spoke to him, he said to me that um, I'll have like an operation to just remove the cancer um, and hopefully keep, well, he said that I'd keep my thyroid. But that's when, when he um, actually went in for the operation, that's when he realised that the cancer was like a, a different type. It was actually a radiation um, cancer, which most people would normally get if they had had cancer and to fight the cancer, they had radiation treatment. So it was quite strange that like, that's what my type mm. of cancer was. Um, and that's when he, you know, saw it in different parts of the thyroid and in the lymph nodes around it. And um, so after like having the first surgery, he had to tell me like, oh, you'll actually have to have a second surgery and remove the whole thyroid. Um, and also have radio iodine, which is like a radiation um, that you drink and you go into isolation for three days and um, it just kind of like kills any leftover cancer that could be in your throat or, or whatever. So, yeah, it wasn't very pleasant, but throughout this journey I just kind of learnt like there's so much worse out there and like I've seen friends and, and family members have the worst case scenario and it's just heartbreaking and so I just felt really thankful and um blessed that that what that's what I was able to do to kind of like survive so yeah you're such a strong girl and that's you know like you credit to you getting through that because I can't imagine it it would have been you would have been feeling like from all the treatments so sick right I know I think the most um for me the hardest part was actually getting the thyroid out because well I guess I don't know if it was the hardest part but just like you know, learning your to get to know your body without a thyroid mm. and, and figuring out that, like, your thyroid actually has so much to do with your body. It's, like, your hormones and your metabolism and your energy and, like, then all of a sudden I've got pills to take for the rest of my life and they're really complex. And so I was just trying to, like, adjust to that and then on top of that having, like, really bad anxiety from it all um, and because your thyroid also can give you a bit of anxiety. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, it was just crazy, like, feeling the motions of that whole new process inside my body, I guess. How did you manage to manoeuvre it? Like, obviously, you're strong and you just sort of got on with it the best you could. But how, like, talk us through how you got used to your new normal. Like, what did you sort of do to do it and how how did you manage it? Well, at the start, I think it was a lot of rest um, and, like, taking life slow and just kind of focusing on my health and, um, you know, I, I did yoga at the time a lot. Um, I'd make sure that I was having lots of like, um, healthy food, like drunk chamomile tea. And like, I I got really into things like crystals and like meditating and like just hippie things. Like I would just like try anything that was going to help like soothe me. Um, cause my body was just feeling all sorts of crazy things. Um, and yeah, I just kind of like told myself I'd do everything to get through it. And so I'd see like a counselor or um, talk to friends or my family, my my mum and dad, and you know, my brothers and Aiden, my business partner, were, but partner at the time, were mm. like all so supportive and girlfriends always there and just kind of always knew like how I was feeling and what was going on. And that was like a massive thing to get me through it. Mm. Um, walks, like, 
all the time. I'm walking every morning, even if it's like up the road to get a coffee or um, at the time I wasn't drinking coffee. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like um, making sure I'm out in nature and like taking time to um, recenter myself if I'm feeling a bit worked up. But mm. yeah. Was your, did your anxiety get really bad at the start? Obviously it can bring it on. Yeah. And like how did you manage to keep that in check when, you know, something like a thyroid can actually cause that and also like help you regulate things? Like how were you able to treat anxiety at that time? It would have been so hard. Yeah, it was quite hard, but I kind of learned the difference between like my thyroid anxiety, like my bodily functions of feeling a bit off and my anxiety from having cancer, if you know what I mean, in my mind. So like sometimes my body would be feeling really anxious, but my mind was actually fine. Mm. And so that's when I'd have things like chamomile tea or like um, do yoga or like something to try like calm my insides. Mm. And then my when my mind was like overthinking and feeling like a bit um, negative, like what if I get cancer again or like just those normal thoughts that people get when they go through cancer, um, especially people that when they've like fought it this afterwards, like all of those feelings of like, what if I've got it here or there? Or is it going to come back? Like that type of thing pops up. And mm. I would just make sure that I would tell people when that was happening because it does feel so overwhelming and just make sure that I like get a checkup to get rid of those silly thoughts or um, go for a walk and meditation music, I don't know, all sorts. All the good things. And yeah. you, I guess at that time you really learnt the importance of self-care really, didn't you? Yeah, definitely. And good like, on you. So much self-care. <laughs> all the self-care. Yeah, How anything. good is self-care, right? Like it actually helps so much. And you know that firsthand, like how much all that self-care helped you get through that. Yeah, it helps so much. Like even small things like if people struggle with sleeping, like I've got like, you know, I've always got like a diffuser next to me with like lavender oil and then like, sleep spray for my pillow and then like the chamomile tea before bed and then um I don't know just like so many little things like crystals around me mm. just to like help me yeah, get I'm the to same. Sleep. yeah it's like I think little self-care rituals in a way yes. and it's like the more little things you do each day for yourself like they're not big yeah but they these, make such a difference oh they really do yeah and it's just nice and calming and yeah. yeah I think a lot of us understand the anxiety thing like I feel like so many people have it it's so common I know it's really common and like it's also super common um that your health is bringing on anxiety too um mm. so whether your it's your um, adrenal glands like going over time or like just things like that it's just like sometimes it's good to get that side of things checked as well to yeah. make sure that you're doing everything to get through it I think people forget that as well that our mind and our body are so linked and yeah. like when things I mean we know from and you know especially firsthand like when things aren't good in your body like your mind is hugely affected I know affected I know when I get sick I get like a bit vulnies and emotional you know and I'm like it's just because I'm sick in my body you know I what know. I mean like oh it's like it's not a good time I know <laughs> it's so easy to yeah, when you're feeling like, even if you're on the time of the month or something, oh, and yeah. you're like, life's all good. And then all of a sudden, like, you can't cut, you're like, what's going on? And you're like, oh, that's happening. Yeah. It's like you've got to like pep talk yourself through life sometimes, <laughs> right? Like, I feel like I do anyway. Yeah, I definitely do. So what was it like? Obviously, you're doing all the self-care and, you know, you're keeping positive. You're, you're really strong. What was, you know, like, what was life like without... Because uh, is your thyroid completely gone? Yeah, it's completely gone. So, like, lot, like, talk us through what it was like. Obviously, you've told us a little bit of what it was like getting used to living without it. But 
how did that impact things going on as the years went on? Like, did you not, like notice much different? Like, what's it like not having a thyroid? <laughs> um, <laughs> I the thing with um, life without a thyroid is lo- it's so different for everyone. So some people get it quite bad, and like they can like really feel it. Like they can feel really tired or like um, put on like a lot of weight and like have really like bad hormone problems. Like almost like if someone's pregnant and they're just like you know, everything's kind of reacting or um, or it cannot be as bad as that. There's lots of different forms and, like, there's some that, um, you know, can be the opposite where they lose lots of weight and they feel real anxious and, like, hypo and, like, can't sleep and settle and that type mm. of thing. Um, for me, because, like, my surgeon and um, specialist, Richard Martin, and he's like at this practice and there's another guy there called Stephen um, Miller and like they are both like just so advanced and amazing. I'm so blessed to be able to go through this journey with them because of like having health insurance. So they're like constantly like I'm on a journey right now because my medication's been in balance for a few months and like that's the times that you feel like life without a thyroid, like you like before it was too high so I was feeling like a bit like overworked inside my body like everything was kind of hyped up like heart beating fast like those type of things and then now so they've been kind of changing it but now like I've been a bit naughty and like had my coffee before um just after my medication and so now it's a bit too low so it's just kind of like you're always having to get monitored and like Mm. you your body I think you just feel a bit more sensitive compared to maybe other people like you feel your um you know like your I don't know how to explain it your energy levels and like all that type of thing a lot more Mm. um but I don't know I've just like I have got used to the way that it is but it is kind of hard to explain I guess Someone that doesn't have a thyroid will understand, but yeah. Has it been like, obviously being a businesswoman, has that been like, you know, like things can be fairly demanding when you're running a business. Yeah. Have you sort of learned how to manage doing all of that while still also like resting when you need to? Yeah, I guess I, that's like a big thing. The best way to explain it is like, you've got a certain amount of energy that's given to you within your medication. And so like, it's good to visualize like, just say like 10 sp- like anything, like 10 spoons and just say like work for everyone takes up like five spoons and then you have a really busy week. So you have like seven spoons and then you've only got the leftovers. Like Mm. you have to like balance like being social, like what you're going to be doing out of work, like exercise, like everything in those last little bits. So it's like you just really learn how to like balance your energy levels. You can't, you literally just can't push yourself like, um, other people I guess can like they can have really big weight and just push 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 through um but because my energy is literally in like a a pill form it's not like that so Mm. yeah but I've I've been fine with just like making the balance and like because you know designer wardrobe is like a startup and some weeks I do have to dedicate so much to it that's totally fine I just in, in my hours outside of work, I just chill out and I enjoy chilling out. So I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. So talk us through, like, well done on making it through. And actually, I know that when I was asking, like, contacting you to get you on the podcast, you had, were about to go see your specialists again. And you're, you know, a little bit, um, I imagine every year as it rolls around in remission, yeah. it can be quite nerve wracking. But yes. like, how, because that's been how many years now? 
six years. So I'm so happy for you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, the big one was the five years and that's when you're out of remission. And so that was last year. And then probably when we're talking, that's when I would have been going through my sixth year. Um, So every year gets so much easier. Like the nerves do come up and you're like, I hope, you know, I hope it hasn't come back and that type of thing. But as the years go by, those thoughts just become less and less. So like if, you know, I've got friends and like also people that's kind of reached out to me that have just gone through cancer and they're like out the other side now and they just like it's like a weekly thing where they're having those thoughts of like is the cancer going to come back and I just like say to them like don't worry it does get so much less and those thoughts like become like a distant every year it just gets easier and easier Mm. so although it just feels so hard at the time like each time you're going through your checkups every year and like getting out of that remission like it just becomes like more of a just a part of your life and Mm. there's a tiny little thought back there but it's not like overpowering your day or anything. Do you find like now that going through that and what you've explained you don't really think about it and get like you don't worry about it as much yeah like it just those thoughts definitely do pop up but like they just become like you know more of a distant thing and you can kind of like talk yourself out of it and be like oh don't be silly like it's fine Mm. (laughs) yeah so then once you got well um well enough to work then so were you still doing all the um, designer wardrobe while you were sick or like how are you managing? (laughs) Yeah. You're a boss. (laughs) It was such a good distraction for my mind because of what I just said then, like when you are going through it, you've got so many um, worries and it was just so nice to like have a community and just focusing on something like fashion and something that's fun and like creating something. and, um, And so that was just like such a blessing for me. And when... I was off work, um, like hairdressing. I was like, I think it might have been like, I don't know, a six-month period or something. And so I just kind of like be at home, like sitting in the sun or whatever and just hanging out with my cats and <laughs> and um, and growing designer wardrobes. So it was like an awesome time to, um, to do that. And it was like perfect to be able to do it from my house or my bed and, yeah. Talk us through the process because I remember you telling me that, you know, you sort of were like, well, I'm lending my clothes to my friends every weekend for free anyway. So that's like <laughs> part of the part of the whole like why you, you were like, I might as well like charge people for it. I know. <laughs> I was like, my my um, family would always be like, Danielle, you've got to stop cleaning out your clothes. Like you're, It's like every Friday night there's like a truck full of women coming in, like raiding your wardrobe. And like even when I was sick, like they would all still turn up. But I just like loved it. It was just something about it like I love sharing and like um yeah so when I started designer wardrobe the Facebook group by Sal it it was originally swap and it was like my way of figuring out rental is kind of like well if you don't want to have this dress like for a certain amount of time you could swap it for another dress and kind of wear that for a while and then you know give it back to each other instead of like exchanging money but over time um I was like, oh, we just need to like have someone like giving you money and then for the dress and like having, they can rent it for a, a short amount of time, like a week or something. And so I introduced it to the website and women would do it to each other. So they would just like rent out a dress um, for the weekend off each other and it just it just grew and grew. Mm-hmm. So 
It was just kind There's of such a place for it. Like I love, yeah. like it's so great renting something, you know, especially when you probably would only wear it. Like if you're only going to wear that once and it's just, you know, like it's so wasteful buying something and not wearing it a lot. I know. And so expensive as well. So it's like, you know, you can, you can hire something and then you can wear something else the next time. And it's really cool, you know? Yeah. It's so perfect because I also see like a really big circle of like in the fashion industry of like, you kind of buy your staples, um, and and your pieces that you want to wear day to day and or you know that special classic dress or top that you want forever um but then as you kind of want to clear out your wardrobe you can sell it on design wardrobe and then if you want to wear like a statement fun dress you can rent it and I just love it because it's like it's such a good way of recycling. And so when you moved it from Facebook, it's still on Facebook now though, isn't it? Yeah, the uh, community's still there. It's, how big is it now? It's huge, right? I think there's like 70,000 on there oh. now. Yeah. Yeah. And and then you, so you, st- you, did you build your website with your partner? Like, did you guys, did yeah. you guys create the website? Yeah. So when um, we both left our jobs, it was because we actually got into a business accelerator program um, called Lightning Lab. And it was like a three month program. And um, from there, like we were able to like get a small amount of money to hire someone. And that's um, when we brought on a developer and they, um, all of us made the website and Aiden, um, he's like super smart with like tech and like, he's not a developer himself, but he's just like such a genius. And he kind of like manages that side of things. And then for me, um, I've always done the like community and the marketing and and growing and being like the brand, like that type of thing. Um, mm. And now I'm doing buying. So yeah, we complement each other because like I've got dyslexia and like he's just, he's good with numbers. So it's just like perfect for um, the journey that we've done. Yeah, that's a whole nother thing. Like good on you. Because I mean, I'm sure like growing up it would have been hard at school at times I've got a brother who's dyslexic and oh, I know how yeah. hard it, I know how hard it was on him and his self-esteem as I well because he felt like he was dumb and he, and and you're not you guys are super smart I was yeah. always like you're way smarter than me like Aww. but so I think it's re- I, I think it's really cool like because dyslexics are so creative I and know. like look at you you know like and so being able to yeah get through and and like probably do important business things, you know, you're still able to do all that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, it's schools really need to like do something for people that have dyslexia because you do just like lose your self-esteem and like, you don't really understand the way that your mind works. And like, luckily I had parents that like mm. really like backed me and helped me see my creative side and like made me feel like my mind was unique and like and powerful and so I was able to be like well I can start a business and I can um have a startup and and like good on you yeah so I just kind of like had the confidence back myself yeah Um, but yeah I it breaks my heart when I see people that just don't really understand their dyslexia and and like have that um self-doubt yeah but it's like you don't need what every like everyone's mind has different. it so it, you've found that it hasn't like for you obviously it hasn't hold, held you back you not haven't oh you haven't like hasn't bothered you yeah it has That's not great. bothered me like I can't spell <laughs> and for like I'm so bad at spelling and I just like I literally don't care like I just send messages and like obviously if it's like a formal um thing within my business that that I have to like have it spell yeah. checked or like I've got Grammarly which is an like an amazing app for someone that's got dyslexia but if it's just like with um friends or like I don't know just 
just people that I feel that shouldn't judge you for no. not being able to spell. Like, I'm just like, I don't care. Like, if you're going to judge me for my grammar or my spelling, like, whatever. <laughs> Get out. I don't have time. Yeah, I'm yeah. Really, I really don't have time. I'm like a boss right now. <laughs> well, honestly, you've grown this business so much. Like, how many years has it been now? So I started it at 25 um, and I'm now 31. So I, it's been six years. Um, and I just did it by myself on Facebook for a couple of years. Um and were you able to make money out of it that way though no like it was even when we had our first website it was all for free it wasn't until we actually like quit our jobs did lightning lab um and and turned it into a proper startup that the website was created um that we've got now and it was turned into a real business but before then it was kind of like a hobby so it wasn't until Aiden um and I like decided that we're business partners and and did it together so it's, it's been about three years since we um, we got an investment from, and we've got like a board now of, um, Simon Mooter and Shane Bradley, and we've just brought on a new CEO who's Ruby Morgan. And so that's been like amazing having her join the team. So, um, it's probably been about three years of, of it being like an actual business. What does it mean having all those people and investors? Like, what does that do from, for a startup business from like what you started it as? What does that like? How does that allow you to grow and what sort of things does that mean you've been able to do? Oh, we've been able to do so much. Like it's just, it's been so incredible. Um, and it's not only, it's like such amazing advice that you get from investors as well. Like our board, you know, having this, the CEO of Spark and um, and Shane Bradley, who's like such an amazing um, entrepreneur. He's started businesses like, um, grab one and like he's just done so many incredible things and so it's just like every single day like you're getting like incredible advice or like have a really strong structured business plan of like goals that you have to achieve and and it's just like a perfect way of of because I've always viewed design and wardrobe as a community not only within our members but also with everyone on this journey with me working on design and wardrobe so that's like the team and um, the investors and and everyone involved. Like I see it as something so much bigger than a business that I started. I see it as like a community of people all working towards the same goal. So, yeah, it's awesome to be able to support each other with that. Yeah, that's so cool. And I think like because often when you have that view and you've created something, it can be a little bit hard to – I mean, obviously you're a smart businesswoman as well, but it can be a little bit hard to think about like, oh, how are we going to monetize this? Because you're so passionate about the cause and like it's a community. So you're like, you know, like, but at the end of the day, like it's your, it's your business, it's your business, you know, and you, you're, you can like make money out of that. I think sometimes we create these things and it's like, you know, you feel like, oh, how are we going to make money out of these things? But you have done it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, if we didn't kind of turn on commission and, and that type of thing, like, because we were nervous to do it for so long, then we couldn't have kind of got to the next level and had design wardrobe here today. Like it wouldn't have evolved. So it's just something that you have to do. Um, and from that, we can just keep growing and, and working on the goals. So, yeah. Yeah, so cool. What are your, have you got, obviously you'll have secret future plans, but what <laughs> are some goals that you, or other things that you want to be able to achieve with your business? Oh, well, my main focus is wanting to open another store around September. So, um, yeah, that's just something that I can't wait to do because it, right now our store is right next to our um, office, so we're all kind of together, but it will just be such an amazing feeling to see 
like a standalone design wardrobe rental store that's like, you know, on the shore or like in a, you know, Wellington or something like that. So, um, yeah, that's like my main goal. <laughs> so for you, were you quite active before you had cancer? Like, were you quite into exercise and things? Yeah. And quite a, um, like normal way. Like I, I've never been like a real sporty active person, but like I regularly went to the gym or like kept active that way. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you were sick, obviously that would have changed a lot, but afterwards and I, you've mentioned this to me before that when you were exercising for quite a while after your treatment yeah you were actually like quite sick sometimes right yeah well I kept wondering like when I tried to exercise or like if I was a bit stressed like why I would like I'd actually end up vomiting up a little bit of like acid reflux kind of thing like or felt really sick and like I had convinced myself that it was like a part of my anxiety like I was like oh, this is just something I have to live with or or that it was like a thyroid thing, like it was just a side effect. And I hadn't even told my specialists, like, but my family and friends all kind of knew that I did that. But like, I I was just kind of like, yeah, it's just the way it is kind of thing. Yeah, you just learned to manage it, yeah. right? And then when my partner Blair um, <laughs> and I started dating, like he was like, I don't know if that's normal. And then it made me realize like, maybe I should actually talk to my specialist about it. So I told him and he was like, I'm going to send you off to get a gastrostrophy or something like that. And um, so I went and got that done and had my esophagus looked at. And it turned out that it was actually like slightly damaged. And they said maybe from when I had my radiation or something like that. Um, and so it wasn't actually closing properly. So my like reflux or acid could easily come up. Um, so recently, just at the um, end of last year, they just literally gave me some pills and I think it was like a month later or something, it was like healed. And wow. Because so <laughs> you weren't able to like exercise really. No. Yeah, like, especially like going to classes or anything because yeah. then you'd be sick. And I kept trying. I just feel so sick and I just spend the whole time trying to like hold it down. And like this is the first time like this year that I've actually been able to like get into it and not have that issue and it's just like so amazing to have that feeling just gone and yeah. so yeah I've been slowly getting back into um working out um I've yeah I've been seeing this amazing lady called Lex at the rec room it sounds really full-on but she's actually like perfect yeah. um and she's just been easing me back into it and like slowly building my muscles again and I've just been taking it slow because I didn't want to like rush into it yeah um but it's just so exciting to like go to a workout and yeah, not feel sick. <laughs> I bet. And that's, you know, again, something that people take for granted is just being able to exercise and it's I fine know. or like complain about exercising. Yeah. And we know from having anxiety that exercise is actually so important when yes. it comes to helping with your anxiety. It helps so much. And like, even when I couldn't exercise, I'd still go for a walk with my friend Becca um, most mornings and like, even if I'd kind of like walk up a hill and like <laughs> spew a little bit, Aww. like I'd still go and it would still help because yeah. it's just so, it's so good for your mind. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. man. So, like so many times when you go for a walk, when you're anxious, you're like, oh, thank you. This is so nice. I know. It's like a nice little break. Yeah. How do you manage? I'm always interested in how people manage their anxiety, especially when you probably at times have quite a bit of like, you know, like you've got a de like demanding job and like you've got business stress on you. Like how do you manage it on a day-to-day -day basis? I think I just learned to slow down a little bit when um, that happens. I just like make sure that, you know, just say if I've got like a event to go to or like a, a big party or something that, I'm, that I don't necessarily have to go to, 
um, I'll just kind of like stop and just relax and, and make sure I just focus on like the important things of my week that I really need to do. And that's also going to make me feel good. Um, and I cut back on like drinking or coffee and just like kind of, you know, make sure that I'm doing like med- a little meditation um, and and just sewing down, I guess. Yeah, all yeah. the self-care. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of the time we're often doing heaps of things, like we're going to heaps of things, and it's like when you look at it, it's like why are we well, – we don't have to go to all this no. stuff, you know, like almost like as you get older, I think you learn to stop trying to – it's like you're doing it for other people sometimes. Yeah, you like, oh, I feel like yourself. You're like, I feel like I should go to this. It's like, no, you don't have to go to no, it. Like it's you your life. You're the one who has to feel the way you feel. Yeah, like I just think that when you're feeling like that, you just have to listen to yourself and do what is going to make you feel good, whether it's like pushing yourself to like go and hang out with a friend or like actually just stopping and like relaxing, like just whatever it is that you know is going to be the best for you. You just have to kind of do it. Mm. Yeah. Now, one other thing I wanted to touch on was with your business partner, like you guys were together a long time (laughs) and then like now you're still in a really good place and you're still running your business together. Yeah. But how did you manage, because you broke up, (laughs) how did you manage to like get through that? Because, you know, and that's like a, that can be a tough situation. I know. I think um, like he is just such a nice guy and we've just always treated each other with respect and always been kind to each other and it was never um about it was never a bad breakup about kind of like hurting each other it was just like we just weren't meant to be like long term and we'd gone through so much together like you know him supporting me with cancer and like by the time we kind of got through to the other side of that, all we wanted was what's best for each other. And so although it was hard, like having going through the breakout with someone that you work with every day mm. um, and having those days where sometimes I just had to work from home or like just we couldn't kind of, it was a bit emotional, you know. So I was, we'd just kind of take a step back and then um, we kind of focused on forming a friendship and like would make sure that we'd like go out for coffees outside of work or um, just we still wanted to support each other and um, we're just like open from day one and just set boundaries that we knew we wouldn't kind of cross and um, from there like we just form like such a nice friendship like he is like one of my best friends and like still so supportive of me and I'll always be there for him Um, so it was it's so different but like I feel like society sometimes makes you think that you have to hate your ex-boyfriend or like your ex-girlfriend or never see each other and although that might be perfect for someone's breakup there are some people that he was actually such a nice partner and a nice friend like we just wanted to go forward so yeah it takes special types of people to be able to do that so well done to you too because like (laughs) like that that just shows like that you guys you know meant to be in each other's lives and working together and I just like I have huge respect for that because oh, I know I know you. that not everyone can manage that because, <laughs> you know, people get, like, hurt and, like, I be know. mean and it's like, oh. Yeah, I know. We just, like, I don't know, I guess we just wanted what's best for each other. Yeah. And yeah, we um, – it's so different, but, like, I feel like we're right in the right place that we're meant to be on. Like, we are meant to be business partners and, like, he has done so much for Design Wardrobe and, and myself and – um. Yeah, it's just we're we're right where we're meant to be. So yeah, just our path. <laughs> Did you find? Because I was sort of similar. I think I think a lot of us, you know, when you're in your twenties, you often get with someone when you're younger, and then as you chat, like grow and change, you don't always 
grow with that person. And that like is a reality for some people. Like you kind of get to your mid to late twenties and you're like, you break up with someone that you thought you were probably going to marry. I know. And I remember that happening to me. And it's yeah. like, it can be a little hard at first. Cause you're like, Oh, like it's, I mean, it's fine. There's nothing mm. wrong with being single. Yeah. I remember around like 29 or something. I was kind of like, Oh, I'm going to be 30 and like I'm single and <laughs> I can't be single at 30. Like I need to meet someone before then. And then by the time I turned 30, I was like so like feeling so good, like being single and like actually having time for myself and like focusing on myself and just I was all of a sudden like, oh my gosh, I'm 30 and I'm single and this is awesome. Like I don't need to good. be with someone. Like yeah. we're at a different age now. Like it's it's just silly and lots, you know, I've got lots of different friends like that are either married or like with kids or other friends that are single or recently broken up and you just, everyone's just on like such a different path. Yeah, and you can't compare yourself, you can't, can you? Yeah. Like you just have to like just follow your own journey and enjoy those moments because like you don't know when you're going to actually meet the love of your life and then you'll look back at those times and also just like appreciate those moments too. So it's just, yeah, it's totally... I remember those feelings, but I now, if it happened again or something, I'd totally be comfortable being single yeah. at 31. I think like you get to a point and I was the same. I turned 30 this out of this year and it's yeah. like when I was 29, like I was happy being single before that. But like, yeah, when you're sort of 29 to 30, you can, if you're in that space of, you know, like, cause everyone's in different spaces. I was the same. Like I was like, you know, like you, you're just really happy doing your thing and like yeah. hustling hard and like I just know. living your life and being happy on your own. And that's when you tend to end up meeting people because you're in like a really good place and you're yeah. like, you don't need someone. You're just like, I you're know. happy and they sort of turn up because they like your vibe, you know? Yeah. And you want <laughs> someone that's going to like add value to your life and like that you can do life with. Like I feel like when you spend time being single, um, you can just focus on yourself so much and like you have so much time for yourself that when you're now sharing a life with someone, um, you I don't know, like it's just I just learned so much from that time because I met Aiden when I was like twenty I think I was like twenty one or something, and so we were together until I was about twenty seven or twenty eight. So it's like most of my twenties and so it was just like such a great time, like at the end of my twenties to to have that. Did you freak um, after you guys broke up a little bit? Were you just like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I've done life with like with this person for so long. <laughs> Were you okay? No, I, I remember like freaking out a little bit because I was just like, oh wow. Like I suddenly realized my age. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. So it sneaks up on you. I know. Your 20s go so fast. Yeah. Everyone who's listening who's like 20 is going to be like, oh, like not these old gals. Like, no, honestly, your 20s go so fast because I think you don't really think about things. You're not, you're not really in a hurry to do things all the time. I know. And then you're just like, oh, I'm 28 and I'm going to be 30 next year. And I'm yeah. like, in the two years, like, you're like, oh, God, what's it happening? It just goes so fast. <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, when I was like in my 20s, I'd, the people that were like 30 that I was working with, I'd be like, that's so old. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Same. And now we're there. I know. Do people think that of us? <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. It's such a good time of your life. Oh, it really is. Yeah. Um, so, and then you did, you did meet someone again. Yeah, I know. I, um, I met Blair, I think maybe like seven months ago. And it, yeah, it's been so nice to meet someone that I can really um, just do life with. And, and it's, like we both have the same kind of passion and um 
Yeah, so it's like, it's been awesome. <laughs> That's good. It's good to know that if you, you know, like people who are like maybe recently single and they're in their late 20s going, oh, like, no, your hope, it happens. It's all I good. Know. It definitely does happen in the right time. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever freak and think you weren't going to meet someone? I th- I had moments where I was like, am I being a bit fussy? Like, <laughs> oh, I get what? told that too. Dad's yeah, like, like, you're too fussy. Yeah. I'm like, no, like I don't want to settle. I know. You have like one life. Live your best life, you know. <laughs> and I feel like that's perfect because it's like you don't want to settle. It's like about finding that person that's like your person. It yeah. doesn't mean that they're perfect. No. But it's like. It's just the right person. For you. Yeah. yeah. And and vice versa. Yeah. So oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Because I met like some really lovely guys along the way and they were so nice and I was like, am I being too fussy? Like, what is it? But it was just that it wasn't my person. Yeah. It's hard, yeah. isn't it? When you meet someone who's really great and you're like, oh, it's just not quite right. I know. <laughs> but now it is. <laughs> Yay. I'm so pleased. Hey, thank you so much for everything you're doing and everything, all the help and advice you've given us. It's so awesome what you've shared with us today. Oh, thank you. If there is someone who's listening who, like you, wants to be a girl boss and, like, you know, do something really cool, create something cool for themselves, what advice would you give them? Well, I, my biggest thing that has got me through, um, through this journey is just really like having a very clear idea of what it is that I'm creating and doing and why, and just like having like a really strong big picture of where you want it to be and just working at that every single day. I think when it's your passion, no matter how hard you work, it's like, Con- <laughs> it always works out, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, I know I, I know what you mean. I'll like, say it. Yeah. Um, I think when it's your passion, like no matter how hard you're working, um, it's just like always paying off because you've just got so much excitement about it mm-hmm. and you'll just keep growing it and working on it. Yeah. And you just have to back yourself. Like if you're a little bit different like me with dyslexia, like it doesn't mean that you can't kind of – sell yourself short I think you can't do it like you can do it and for me I've done it with having amazing people around me like people can't do it all to finish off (laughs) what would be some advice you would give to younger Donielle what would you tell her (laughs) oh um, (laughs) Oh, Donielle oh young Donielle (laughs) (laughs) um I would tell her that it doesn't matter how you feel in the class right now with the teacher asking you a really easy maths question and you just can't reply because you don't know what they're talking about (laughs) (laughs) because you're just going to make your own path and, um, and it's going to be very different than what you ever expected, but it's going to be really fun and you're going to learn a lot. So just hold tight and It's going to be a very big ride. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Self Love Club podcast. Please subscribe for more episodes and you can catch up on eps you may have missed. Reviews and sharing the Self Love Club with your friends and on your Instagram stories helps so much in allowing us to keep doing this and spreading the self-love message to others who may need it. To keep up with the Self Love Club, find me at Belle Crawford and at Self Love Club Podcast. Follow us on Instagram. Plus, check out my website, bellcrawford.com, for the Self Love Club resources and blog posts.
A big thanks to our audio engineer, Nick Bulbin, and we've got heaps of boss babes coming up to empower you through the rest of 2019 with weekly episodes available each Monday. Catch you soon, babes. 